On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got to have a former guest, Rob Fraser, from formerly Endure Apparel uh, and now Outway uh, on the podcast. We chatted uh, about the rebrand. We chatted uh, how they were able to do the rebrand. He gave me actually an incredible framework to think about brand, uh, this three-pronged approach that you guys are definitely going to want to hear about. And then we also talked about raising money. We talked about the why, the how, the who, all of those things with uh, raising money. You guys are not going to want to miss this one. If you are a mid-seven-figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, how about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news? Our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am joined by a fellow business owner and a friend, Rob Fraser, from formerly Endure Apparel, now Outway. Rob, welcome back to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Jordan, happy to be back. Super excited. Totally. So for people who did not listen to your previous episode, tell us just a little bit about your story, a little bit about who you are what you guys do, and a bit of that journey. Sure. Yeah, and anyone who listens to the last episode knows I can ramble, so let me try and keep this short. So yeah, Rob Fraser, I live in uh, Victoria, BC, originally from Toronto area. What I call my past life, I was a uh, pro-competitive cyclist for about 10 years, five times on the Canadian national team. I know you're into mountain biking right now, Jordan, so we got to still get out oh, there. Yeah. But, so yeah, traveled around the world, raced my bike for 10 years, and that was what I thought I was going to do the rest of my life, kind of live that pro-athlete life. And then, you know, as it does, and you're you know, mid to late 20s, you're kind of thinking like, oh, there's not a lot of money in sport, um, at least yeah. in kind of the level I was at. And kind of saw the writing on the wall and was like, you know, what's next? And uh, went to school, tried to do the more traditional path, but then realized I wanted that kind of really big goal to go after again. And, you know, starting a business seemed like that. I had no experience, no right to even start and come from an entrepreneur family. Uh, I had no real model to follow, but I just knew that like, hey, you know, if I build a brand in the athletic space, perhaps that can be my new sport. And so like I kind of coined it like the sport of business. That's going to be my new thing. Totally. Like, this is great. Which so many people do, right? Like like so many people in I, I find sports and musicians are like people who are into sports and music. A, a ton of people are uh, have shifted over into business. I don't know if it's like the competitive nature or something like that, but anyway, I'm very good at uh stepping in on people's conversations here, so I will try <laughs> not to do that. No worries. No, I agree with you. I think those two industries and, and some others, they're there's a level of grit as well as kind of like almost a delusional belief that you can make it in, in both music and sport. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It is a, that delusional belief because you have to be to do both of those things. Yeah. And then you also need it to kind of build a business, you know, like, like I said, I had no experience. So it was a definite delusional belief that like it would get to where it is today. Although, you know, on one hand, I was actually speaking to a friend yesterday saying like, on one hand, I know what I'm 
what I say I'm going to do and think I want to do is like totally unreasonable, totally delusional, like and almost impossible. But at the same time, I hold that belief that I can totally 100% do it. So it's like these two competing beliefs at both times, like where I see that it's like the realist and then the optimist. I'm like, well, I might as well try. And that's where I always end up is like yeah. the worst thing that will happen is I'll, I'll learn something new. So yeah, I started a business in the athletic space in 2016, wanted to build a brand around, you know, just something that was like different. And like, cause I was going from athlete to entrepreneur or living in the real world, I call it. And I, I just like looked at the landscape. It was like a lot of these athletic brands are talking about like performance related to winning. And I wanted to build a brand around performance related to personal improvement or personal bests. Mm. I thought that was more relatable. It's like, you know what? Not everyone's always going out and like, engaging in activity to win, you know, and that's kind of like a sure way to kind of continually burn yourself out and maybe never be happy. But if you're continually waking up and trying to just be better every day and just improve, I think that's like a pretty fulfilling life and it's exciting. So we wanted yeah, to build a brand around that. There's always going to be somebody better than you. Like it yeah, doesn't really sure. matter. Like you, you might be on the top, you might be the top athlete maybe for a year. And, and I mean, the, the only ones that we like, you know, we remember some of these athletes who, you know, have, you know, maybe potentially like I'm thinking like Olympic athletes who, you know, maybe have competed at the top of their game for like two, right? M maybe three sometimes, but that's a huge, that's like 12 years, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's one of those pursuits. It's kind of like the pursuit of endless wealth, right? Somebody will always be richer than you and more successful than you. It doesn't really matter. And I get that every single podcast interview that I do, I remember, oh yeah, people are way better than me at most things. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's like, yeah, like on, on that kind of line of thought is like, if you're always like uh, kind of comparing yourself to others, so that person's richer than I am or a better athlete, it's like you're in this, this like, hedon like this just like hedonic kind of cycle of like, you're never going to quite arrive and you're never going to be happy. But if, if kind of who you're competing with is yourself and just your former self, it's like, it's actually quite easy just to improve every day and like, say, I want to eat better today. I want to sleep better. I want to work on these things. And it's like, you're actually fulfilling that way. So I wanted to build a brand around that in the athletic space around just inspiring personal bests. How do we inspire everyone to go out? and you know work on their personal best for that day and, and, and in the future and that was formerly endure and now recently outweigh which we can kind of discuss what that rebrand looked like and why but yeah just like again real quick in the last five years we've grown from just like a bootstrap to put a thousand bucks in in college and now multi eight figure brand with like 25 people so there's a lot to unpack there and i know we've got a short time and people could probably just go listen to the other episode where i give a lot more of the founding story but yeah things are you know the, i always say like this whole pursuit has been just avoiding trying to get a real job and i just say so far so so good. <laughs> and you've done it. You've done it so yeah. far, Rob. So let's talk here. There's two big subjects that I want to cover today. Guys, again, if you want to hear the, the founding story, which I highly recommend, um, go back and search Endure or Rob Fraser in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wish I would have remembered which episode number it was, but it was quite a ways ago. Um, we've, we've now been connected for quite a while. Today, what I want to focus on uh, specifically is rebranding and raising money. So those, those two subjects, I think, are subjects that, you know, uh, other people who are listening to this probably are going to have to go through at some point or are going through as we speak right now. So let's first of all talk about the rebrand. What a huge decision getting to the place where you guys are right now, the name recognition that you have, and then pivoting to a new brand. That's a huge deal, Rob. I To be honest with you, when I saw that announcement, I, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh no, a rebrand right now. Like they're so well known. Oh my gosh. Can you walk me through the the why, how that came about? Because I have had to go through one of those recently myself <laughs> at yeah, Upgrowth yep. Commerce. Yeah. And like I, I share that level of kind of fear and pain and 
So like, I can't get into the specifics of the why. What I can say is that it wasn't something we necessarily wanted to do. So a lot of brands will, will rebrand maybe because they think it, they need new market positioning or messaging or whatever. They want a fresh look. And generally, that's an internal decision, a make-work project. And a lot of these brands take yeah. on when the consumers actually don't care that much. And it's generally just like maybe the, the organizations got stale or whatever. So can't stress enough that we didn't need another project on our plate. We were quite content, happy with uh, the brand. And like you mentioned, we built a lot of recognition with the name over the last five years. And so um, people could draw their conclusions of what happened. But you know, we were kind of put in a situation where we had a couple paths to choose, one being a quite lengthy and expensive path, and the other being you know the opportunity to, to rebrand and change your name and kind of carve a new path forward. And so we ultimately chose to rebrand. And it was like a six-month journey starting in November of last year, and then it launched May this year. And throughout that journey, there was a lot of learnings, a lot of kind of mourning the old name, but then understanding like, how do we get from a place of fear to a place of excitement? Because like, these are all opportunities and they're generally in business. These things aren't death blows. So if done correctly, I think you can actually use these events and these opportunities as a tailwind, not a headwind. Mm. So the thing we like realized right away was, okay, let's identify like what a brand is. Um, it's really important to highlight. And I've kind of like, and I, I needed to go through all these mental exercises to keep myself sane without like just going completely off the deep end. And so the way I thought about it was like a brand, I relate it to a human being. And when I think about a human, I think there's like three core attributes. There's their name, how I reference them. So let's use you as an example, Jordan, there's you. There's your identity and how you look. There's like, I can recognize you from a crowd. Like, and I, I yeah. see you again on the screen. I'm like, yep, that's Jordan. And then there's your essence. There's how do I feel when I'm done talking to you or interacting mm. with you? How would I explain you to others? How, what's like, yeah, what space do you occupy in my mind? And that's the essence. And so when I thought about, you know, like, what are we going to have to change? Like we were going through a name change. So relating back to you again, you know, if you said, hey, on this podcast, Rob, you know, actually my name's Adam now. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's going to take a little time to get used to, but like, you're still the same person. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah, not yeah, going to totally. matter. Or we hop on this podcast and you've shaved your beard and your hair is blue. It's like, oh, well, like, I, I don't really recognize you but hey you're the same person after we've talked for like two minutes and be like yep that's that's jordan or adam or whatever however if we finish recording this podcast and you're just kind of a bit of a jerk you've changed you're not nice mm. you're maybe whatever you're not the same kind of person i've come to recognize your essence has changed and shifted i would get off the call and be like i don't really know that person you know that's not the same person that's not the person i came to like and trust and understand so when i think when i relate that back to what we were going through our essence wasn't changing it was same team product company mission brand all of that stuff and then our identity luckily our product was staying the same how we design it was staying the same even our logo was staying the same which is on all of our products so like mm. our essence wasn't changing our identity wasn't changing what was changing was our name and i would argue that that was was probably of the three things, it's the least detrimental because like I said, it's a reference to those other things. There's the yeah. reference to the brand, there's the identity of the brand, and then there's the essence. And so once we understood that, we're like, okay, this obviously still sucks. There's SEO, there's this recognition, it's gonna take time. However, this is a story we can tell and and we can we can bring the audience along with us. And so that's what we did. We said like we're gonna be going through this change and we explained it in kind of a three-part YouTube series. If you want to check that out, it's just search my name and outweigh on, on YouTube and you can see the whole cycle and how we got to where we went. But when I understood that, that made it a lot less daunting. And I think when I explain mm. that to people too, they, they understand that. And honestly, like we launched it May 1st and up to that point, there was a lot of stress and a lot of hard work, a lot of anxiety that went into developing the new name and all that. We can talk about kind of what that means, but you know, we just closed out May. We're in the film, we're recording this, you know, in late June and May was our best month of the year. So we pulled it off, you know, and awesome. uh, and I always said to everyone and, and kind of, uh, if we did our job right with the rebrand, that's how it should have been. It should have been yeah. like nothing changed. And so I'd say like, and that's always the tough thing because it feels like kind of nothing changed, but it was also on the back of so much change and so much hard work. Mm, yeah. 
that it's one of those things where you expect this kind of like like big moment but the real win here is that there is no big moments it's just kind of continuing on and building on the brand that we've worked so hard on over the past five years so that was kind of the why and the how and then when we think about just like our mission which this whole thing anchored around like i mentioned earlier to inspire personal bests that's what we wanted yeah. to do we yeah. just wanted to find a name that could champion that and to us outweigh was this amalgamation of two words of out and way because when we think of like inspiring personal bests you have to be willing to put yourself out there and carve your own way and so that's how we kind of came up with the new name we're like that's a good evolution of what endure meant because to us endure meant perseverance it was the mm. early stage if you think about like where we were in that phase like we were kind of the smaller brand the underdog you know we were like we we're gonna have to grit our teeth we were gonna have to try hard we were gonna have to be willing to fail often and then you know five years later we've somewhat arrived and we still have a lot of work to do but you know now we're carving our own way you know we are the ones innovating there's not many people we're looking to in our space anymore being like what are they doing like no we'll set the pace now and so yeah. we're on our new yeah. our new chapter and that's kind of how we got the new name and, and how we talk about it rob i'm gonna use that analogy that or that three uh, that three pronged approach to brand in the future i'm stealing that so thank you i don't know who you got that from but uh but that is now i'm um, going to be part of my lexicon because i love that that was such a great explanation of a, a name change and interestingly when we did this at upgrowth we were actually changing all three right mm. all three of them were were a huge change from our previous at, at the on, in the agency world mindful marketing to upgrowth commerce it was a complete change and so that was really interesting to see and, and for us it's been nothing but up <laughs> since then and i'm glad to hear that it's been uh that it's been a similar journey for you so rob let's talk raising money a subject that i just don't love to talk about because i had this vision in my mind of the bootstrapped owner who just does it all themselves and they don't need outside cash and they don't need outside influence and they can do it all themselves and it's weird i'm starting to kind of turn that a little bit and starting to realize and i i think i just want to preface this for a second i'm a huge seven habits uh, of highly effective people person i've trained our entire all of our companies um, i personally do the training for it because i just absolutely love it and the whole idea with seven habits is moving from dependence to independence in habits one through three to interdependence in habits uh four through six and then habit seven is all about the renewal portion so Interestingly, I picture raising money in that interdependence sort of sphere, right? Whereas before I used to actually think like, oh, no, you're dependent on them, right? Like, oh, you have to have them. But it's actually not true. It's it's actually interdependence, which is a beautiful thing. And I actually believe it's a, a mature sort of idea. That's sort of my preface going into this. Where What sort of conclusions did you come to that you, because you just recently raised uh, a substantial amount of money. Walk me through your process. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would say like, so we bootstrapped for five years. We bootstrapped, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we put in, well, I put in a grand of my money, of my student loans, and we grew it to over 10 million in revenue bootstrap. So I'm at heart default bootstrapper, you know, like I, I like it. I like the idea that, especially in a business where like, look, if, if your business model day one has the ability to make money, I think you should do that first because you're going to learn totally. a, how to make money. You're going to optimize around things that make sense. Like your unit economics, you're not going to make silly spend decisions like the office you don't need, the hires you maybe don't need, and you'll force yourself to learn a lot of skills. There are some businesses where that's just not possible. The business model, the, the actual like making money portions may push a few years out. It's heavy tech development, whatever. And so we're going to speak my own book in our book, which is kind of the product business and the businesses yeah. that, you know, service and that's who's listening to this. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So these are businesses that like, if you can't make money day one, then like I would question if you'll ever make money, right? Because mm. these aren't complex businesses. 
but at the same time they are. So like you gotta like always break these things down into really small bits. It's like I made socks. So if I bought socks for five bucks, I need to sell it for ten and then make sure the, the rest of my cost makes sense. So that's that's step one. However, I came around like you is like raising money should be looked at as an accelerant, not a way to keep yourself alive. You know, like I'm not a big fan mm. of like using money as a way to just be to cover burn. I think that's just supplementing a poor business model and bad decision making in most cases. Um, Whereas when we decided to raise money, it was like, well, we were profitable. A lot of people would be like, well, why did you? It's like, well, there was a couple couple of reasons I did. One, I brought in a really strategic group of investors. I think one of the lessons I've learned in the last five years is I don't know what I don't know. And the more I learn, the more I know I don't know. (laughs) And you know, we're all just figuring this out. And it's like, well, I like my odds being surrounded by people that are much further along the path than I am. Yeah. Because A, yeah. I'm young and this isn't going to be my last business. And so there's going to be a great learning opportunity. So there is a selfish bit there. And then two, how can we use this capital to infuse it into what we've already proven over five years to accelerate? It already works. We know all these areas that we can make strategic investments to grow the brand quicker. So I kind of tweeted about this last week or something. I just said, like, I think, you know, I'm a fan of bootstrapping because it'll teach you the lessons you need to learn early on, especially if you're a first time operator. If I was going to start another business, like after this one, I'd probably raise my rep start because I, I, I know a lot of those things. I've built the, the scar tissue and I've built the habits to not go blow it on stupid things. Totally. So for this is more for first-time founders. You're much better off just learning how to actually build the business and become profitable first. And then when it's working, it makes sense to align yourself, A, with strategic investors. And I would say, and my caution here would be that there are people that share your values and you're aligned on first and foremost, because this is it's supposed to be a partnership and you want to work with these people to accomplish a common goal. And if the incentives are not aligned, it's generally a pathway to misery, um, raising money and having the wrong partners with the wrong mission alignment and value alignment. So finding strategics and people that share your vision is really important. And I'm using that money to accelerate. I love that. I, I was just thinking about that. Uh, I, I was about to get an intro yesterday to a, a really well-known apparel founder in the Vancouver area. And I had a, you know, a one-step intro to him. And uh, he had just recently stepped down as the CEO of a pretty well-known clothing conglomerate over here. And uh, I was like, oh, awesome. Good. I want to chat with him, see if we can get see if we can get him to come on. And the person who was about to make the intro said, uh, I, I don't recommend that. I don't think that he aligns with your values whatsoever. You're going to, all you're going to have is headaches from him and uh, I thought I was like oh okay so I could take a couple million dollars and have uh, a partner that does not align with me whatsoever or I could hold out and wait for some some other investors so yeah I think look I've had a I've had and if you listen to the first episode I think we talked about it like I had to buy out an early founder and early kind of yeah. fam, family and friend investor and so I've seen the the bad side of this and what I can tell you is no amount of money in the world is worth that that level of stress to have a partner in your business that is not aligned. It doesn't matter. I mean, in the, in, and it's so easy to make that decision in the moment because you're staring down the barrel of millions of dollars. You're like, ah, oh, we'll figure this out. We can probably find alignment, you know? And, but if like, I've just learned that like in business over the last five years, every time I've not listened to my gut, it's really kicked me in the ass. <laughs> it's really come back really? to light me because you know, your mind, we're the easiest people to convince right ourselves. Um, you're, I, I can always rationalize my way out of my gut feeling. I can always say, well, this, you know, the gut's wrong. But what I've learned over the past five years is that like, it's never been wrong. And so I listen to I, that. And I'm the same, totally the same way. It's like you, you have these, these gut feelings and you try to go against them and you realize like, oh man, somehow, somehow that feeling was correct, right? And there's, there's tons of science behind it. 
right? That like that our our body knows what is going on, right? And that it's mm-hmm. it's got its own thinking or or whatever that is. There's tons of science and tons of reading and a million books all about this kind of stuff. Um, yet we still don't even understand how that works. I think. No, that, yeah. I think the lesson is just like trust it. Right. Trust it's, it. It's generally yeah. right. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's just like maybe the one of the things to highlight of this whole conversation in business is like the more time in the game, the more you understand that patience is key. You got to make the you got to make decisions thinking in the long term, not in the short term. Yeah. And you yeah. just got to remember that you're continually learning and you're always going to be just figuring it out. You're like, because we talked about earlier, so there's always someone that's going to be richer or more successful or whatever. It's like every time you level up in business, you're a beginner again. You're, you're a beginner at a new level. Yeah. And that's so right. if you think of yourself as a genius, you'll never actually be able to live in the moment where and realize like, oh, I don't know anything at this new level. I need to be humble. I need to be kind of a little shameless and ask for help times. Uh, and I think the people that don't recognize that each new level you're a beginner again, find themselves in trouble because they stop learning or maybe they stop making decisions with the best information. So I'd say like that's been my evolution as an entrepreneur over the last little while is that like, yeah, I, I don't know everything. There's people much smarter than me and I should probably just think long term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Rob, I wish we had more time to chat about more of this stuff. I'm going to ask you the question I asked you last time um, and that I have to ask every single podcast episode. What is your secret to scaling? I would say my secret to scaling is at this stage for sure, just building a world-class team. I think like the one thing I maybe haven't talked about is that like everything we have is on the back of the people that help me yeah, and, and help build this business. And, and I think your only ability to scale is your ability to scale your team of people. They're the ones that are actually going to help build the business and do the work day in, day out. Your job is to steer the ship and you need to have people that are able to do and play each role. Um, and that has different stages throughout, whether it's a small team into a larger team. But now at 25 people, it's I can truly say that like without them and we would have no scale, we'd have no ability to succeed, especially through the rebrand and leaned on every single person to both stay sure. mentally stable and just get the job done. So I would say secret scaling is just building, nurturing uh, a world-class team and, and staying mission aligned. Awesome. Rob, this was a great conversation. Thanks so much for your time today. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you? Uh, and then also with Outway. Yeah, so Outway simple. We uh, what's the best part of this whole rebrand is we got Outway.com. So O-U-T-W-A-W-A-Y.com. Six-letter domain. Cost me a pretty penny, but we got it. So Outway.com, and you can find links to all our socials through there. At Outway Socks. We haven't got at Outway on all the socials because that's that's more complex, and we're working on it. And then me personally, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Twitter, just at Rob Fraser. You can find me there. And uh, yeah, anyone reach out. I try to make myself somewhat accessible at least through DMs. And uh, yeah, man, this is super fun. We'll have to do a round three and kind of dig deeper. I'm thinking let's talk team structure, ideal team structure as you scale on the next one. Yeah, sounds great. We'll just keep it going. We'll keep it rolling every few months. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks again, Rob. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.